Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Uh, you know, I usually come up here very timid, but today I'm, I'm probably going to turn up a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pace back and forth probably because of my nerves, but hey, we got this. Amen. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, I, I need you guys to smile at me. I can see you guys, even though these lights don't look like they, I can see you guys, but I can. And I'm excited because we're going to jump into John 4, um, which is a very well-known story um, about the Samaritan woman. I'm going to give you guys just a little bit of background just in case you don't know who she is. Um, I'm not a preacher. I like to teach. So I like to know why we talk about what we talk about and where it's coming from. Um, that's just the way I'm built. Um, so I'm excited with you guys. If you guys want to turn to John 4, and of course we have it up here as well because of Reuben. Um, here we go. Let's walk through this together, guys. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back one once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. We're going to pause there for just one second. If uh, Ruben, you have the map? Okay. So just to give you guys a little background story, um, he was going to Galilee, and I like visuals, so I think it's good to see on the screen. So he was going to, uh, to Galilee. So just so you guys know, the Samaritans and the Jews historically have a huge feud. A huge feud. Um, it, it goes all the way back to Old Testament time, and it goes all the way back to really the Jews considering the Samaritans half-breeds because they intermarried they inter, uh, with others and took on other people's gods. So it kind of, if you think about a person that you don't like for a long time, and then sometimes, you know, there's some people that we don't like that we don't know why we don't like them, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> all right. So this is, this is the case here, and it's a big deal because I read this, um, this verse in about three different translations, and they all said the same thing. They, uh, they all said, now he had to go through Samaria. Technically, the Jews back then did not go through Samaria because through Samaria they didn't want to deal with the Samaritans. So what they would do is they would cross over the river. You see where Judea is? They would cross over the river, walk around, not to even touch the land of Samaria. But Jesus it says in the word, had to go through Samaria. Amen? So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground, the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, would you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it, as did, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be, will, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give to them will become in, a, you know, that in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't go thirsty and have to keep here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father near on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. We're going to bow our heads and then we'll get it rolling. Amen? Lord, we just thank you and we bless you and we just lift you up in this place, oh God. I, I am, like I said, Lord, I am honored and I am privileged, oh God, to be able to be here with all those who are sitting in these seats, oh God, just ready to praise your name and lift you high, oh God. I ask you, O oh God, that you may penetrate the hearts of those, O oh God, that you may empty me of me, O oh God, and fill me of you, O oh Lord, that your words may come out of my mouth, O oh God. Father God, I just thank you once again for who you are, and I thank you for each and every person here, O oh God, as a face of grace, O oh God. I thank you because you came searching, O oh God, for them, O oh Lord. And I thank you, O oh God, that they have found you here, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So. I'm excited, so I don't know about you guys, and I'm sure you guys have, and I'm because I have heard the term me time. How many of us have heard the, her, the term me time? Anybody? Right? I know us mothers, right? Us mothers be like, yes, we need some me time, right? I know, so do I. All the time, actually. Uh, my me time is usually in the morning when I'm on my way to work, um, after I drop off everybody. <laughs> then I'm on my way to work, and I'm like, Lord, this is my me time. Amen. So we, uh, we have our me times, and we go and we get our hair done and our nails, uh, nails done. We might do a little bit of shopping. The men, I guess, watch football or basketball or I don't know what you guys do on your me time. But I know that us women, we like to go out, and we like to spend a little time. Sometimes my husband, sometimes we have to go somewhere, and he secures a ride for us in certain places when we're going out. And I'm like, I'm going to take the bus, and I will meet you there because that is my me time. Amen. Sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, all right, you know, I just need a little, sometimes we just need a little time to refresh, to refocus, to rethink our own things. Um, sometimes we need time to look for our goals, to kind of lay ourselves out a little bit. So the woman at the well, um, it is, a, it is a, a, a good story. It's a good story because she was, the Bible says that she was walking to the well about noon. Um, during that time, the women went to the well very early in the morning, to draw water. This woman has a history, and she has a past, and she kind of had a present at that very precise moment. Um, so she used to go at 12 o'clock because the women used to gather there early in the morning. They used to talk, and they used to laugh, but she was kind of placed as an outsider because of her current situation. As you read in the story, and we're going to get into it deeper, like she didn't have just one or two or three or four. She, had, she was on her sixth guy, and he wasn't even her husband. 
And back then, I don't know if you guys are aware, but back then, during, the, during the, that time, during the law, she could have been stoned for things like that, for not having anybody to stand by her, for not being married. So for her, it was a, it was a place of solace. So as I was reading through the story, I found myself in thinking that, yeah, you know what, she was probably going up there. And the Bible doesn't really give you the background, but it does say that she walked up there. And I started thinking to myself, and I said, wow, Lord. I said, you know, I said, I bet you that was her me time. Her me time away from the village, her me time away from the people, her me time away from people looking at her, staring at her, her me time from just dealing with the, her day-to-day stuff at home. Who knows? Maybe she got into an argument with the guy. Maybe she decided that she wasn't, you know, she didn't want to deal with it right now. And she said, you know what? Let me walk up to this hill and go get some water the way I usually do. And let me rethink some things in my life. And then she's walking. So she's walking up with her pail of water and she, you know, maybe in the distance, sometimes you might see something in the corner of your eye. She possibly did a double take because nobody's ever there at noon. And she sees somebody standing there. In her mind, she might think, man, what is that woman doing there, right? Because from afar, who knows what you see with the sun scorching on you, your sweat is in your eyes. And then you might think, hey, what's that? What's that? And as she gets closer, she sees that there's a man sitting there at the well off the top, off the rip in her mind. She's like, great, this is a Jewish guy who already considers me half-breeded anyway, who already has his things about me anyway. Just because she was a Samaritan woman and we already established that Jews don't talk to, to Samaritans. And as she approaches and she goes, and she goes minding her business because she went there to go draw some water, and Jesus speaks to her. And he says to her, will you give me a drink? And she tells him, and she tells him, how are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, for water? And I want to point you guys to one thing, and that, that might not seem like a lot to you, but if you really think about your own life and people who, people or things that you're not used to doing, or they, it takes a lot out of you to be able to do them, even speaking to somebody who you haven't spoken to in a long time, by you whispering a word, by you saying a word, you break down that wall. Amen? So, real quick, we're going to go to our first point. And our first point is, grace breaks down barrier, barriers and engages you. It may not seem a lot for us, but it was a lot to that woman that day at the well. Because she, Jesus said, can you give me a drink? And that's the exact same thing that we do here as well. You know, we so appropriately sang about God coming in and surrounding us and Jesus coming down and, and, and just loving on us. And it's really because he came to break that barrier for us. The Bible talks about how he came and, we, and he came down to this earth just to save us. And sometimes he asks us the same question. You might be here for the first time. You may not even have even heard of Jesus. Well, I don't know if anybody's not heard of Jesus, but I mean in this context. And he's telling you today, he's like, would you give me a drink? And what he's really asking you is, would you give me that thing that you're obsessing about? He's saying, Are you, would you give it to me? And we are no different. You guys know, my group knows, I say it all the time, the stories are always the same. It's the characters that change. Always. You might look at her and be like, wow, she was kind of rude. But was she? We do the same thing. And Jesus is saying, if you give me that thing, and we, we, we respond in that same manner. 
Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to give you that? And the funny thing is that he went to that place because he had to go through Samaria. We've established that, right? He had to go through there because he knew that he was going to encounter her there. And he engages her in such a conversation, really, and he meets her where she is because he didn't ask her for nothing out of the ordinary. He asked her for a drink of water. How appropriate. They're out of well. And he does the same for us. He enters in and says, hey, I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm going to meet you in your despair. I'm going to meet you in your circumstance. I'm going to meet you in your insecurity. And he says, hey, I'm here. Grace has arrived. He engages us. He tugs. Those tuggings that he feels, that you feel in your heart, that's Jesus. And he is absolutely amazing. He's saying to you today, hey, I, I'm broke, I broke down these barriers. He is a king who left it all and came down and became human like us. And he tore down walls. There's a song that we go by all the time that says, try to, stop my, try to stop your love and you would wage a war. It's by Kim Walker. And that's the way God is. That's the way Jesus was. He went fighting through those barriers to meet that woman there. And not just meet her there, but he met her there. And he also saw who she was and didn't care. He didn't care who she was. He didn't care about anything. And we pray, and, and, she, and she was kind of startled, and, we, and I think we're, we become startled as well. And just so you know, he just, he, he will. He will meet you there, and he will see you there, and he will talk to you and engage you and have a conversation with you no matter what it is that goes on in your life. Psalms 59.10 says, my God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will, look, look, will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. This woman had a lot of problems. She had a lot of foes. It wasn't easy for her. And even though the Bible doesn't talk a lot about that stuff, but she has some stuff. And we all have stuff. And some of our stuff sometimes consumes us. But God will meet you there. He will meet you there. And sometimes you think to yourself, why, are you, why would he be interested in you, little old you, who really doesn't really talk to him too much? And he's still there. He's still waiting for you to show up. He's still waiting for you to say, all right, here's your drink of water. He's still waiting for you to invite him into your place. You know, and it might sound some weird stuff, and I'm going to deviate just a little bit because even in my own season, in this season for me in my life, as the past six months I've shared with a couple of people, you know, I've been serving God for a very long time. I grew up in the church, and, I, and I've known, and I've heard, and I've, seen different things. I've seen God's grace. I've seen God's love. I've seen his hand. I've seen his peace. And it wasn't until this very year that I decided to tell myself or I decided to tell the Lord, yeah, here's your drink of water. God met me there. It wasn't until this year that I actually told the Lord, you know what, Lord? Here you go. I'm done. My anger, my frustrations, my despair, my I got this attitude. I said, here you go, because he broke down the barrier. He was just waiting for me to stand there and say, all right, Lord, you got it. It's yours. He talks to her and he tells her, go and get your husband. Now, the term husband here is used very loosely, right, because then he goes on to tell her, 
well, she tells him, I don't have a husband. And she, he goes on to tell her, well, you're right in saying that because you've had five, and this one that you're with right now, he's not even yours. And at first, when I first read this, I was like, wow, Lord, that was tough. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. Right? You know how people don't have hair on their tongues? That's what, you, that's what I thought about. I was like, wow, Jesus, that was rough. But he said it for a reason. And I don't believe in any, my hearts of hearts, I don't believe that he said it to condemn her. There's just no way. Because the conversation after that takes a different tone. It takes a different tone. And you know what? It's funny because if he had already broken down the first barrier with her by even speaking to her, in her mind I'm thinking she must have thought to herself, man, I hope, you know, I hope he doesn't really ask me any questions. Because, you know, then I have to tell him stuff. And he did. He asked her the question that she most hated. Go get your husband. And she shares her story. I have no husband. And she came to the point of her self-realization. She came to the understanding that she, pretty, she probably didn't have much. We come to a place where in our lives where we realize that we don't really have much. And we have insecurities, and we have despair, and we have sadness, and we have, and that's what we have. We don't have much hope, though. There isn't much hope. And at that precise moment, I'm sure she was like, great, now he's just going to write me off. He has to write me off. Right? One, I have no, one, I'm a Samaritan. Two, I have no husband. And three, technically, by law, he probably could have killed her. The gravity of that situation was immense for her, and it was her being vulnerable at that very precise moment, because that's what she was. She was very vulnerable there. And we come to a point where we also become vulnerable in our own lives. And we become vulnerable, and, we, and we're used to people kind of, you know, I don't know, turning their backs on us. We don't want to deal with people. We don't show people vulnerability. I've been there, I've done that. Because the truth of the matter is, the way you interact with people is the same way we approach God. I did it for many years. For, I couldn't even be vulnerable with my husband because I was like, he's going to, you know, poke holes in it. He's going to use it against me, you know? It wasn't until I found Jesus and really encountered Jesus this year. Seven years serving God, this year I encountered Jesus. And not because he was not there. It was all because of me. Because I held him at arm's length. Because I was like, you know what, Lord? I know you, you know, my group knows. I always tell them I'm the great negotiator. I negotiate with God all the time. I never said I won. I am saying that I negotiate. Do you really want that? No, you don't want that right now. I'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. I got this. But the truth is that I needed him. I need him. I, and every day I go on and on and on, and I understand that I need him more and more. There's just no place without him. Point number two. Woo, sorry. There we go. We'll help you realize the truth about yourself and your need for a savior.
in her releasing her truth, her present situation, she understood, I, I believe she also understood that she could not change it. There was nothing that was going to, for her, that she was going to be able to do that she was going to be able to change her own situation. It's, it's, it's crazy because we think that we can. We think we can change our own situation. We hope that we can. I truly believe that we hope in the hopes of hope that we can change our own situations. And I'm telling you today that without Jesus, you cannot. There is just no way. We've tried it. We've been doing it for a very long time. I turned 35 yesterday. I did it for 35 years. I know, right? I did it for 35 years, and it was until I realized that I could not change it on my own was when God, not that he showed up because he was there, but it was when he intervened. Not because he wasn't standing there with me the entire time. It's because he, I allowed him to intervene now, and I understood that I needed him. I need him more than my husband. I need him more than my kids. I need him more than the air I breathe. And I'm not discrediting my husband. I love my husband. He's the sound guy back there, the baldy. I know, right? Woo. But, I, but I need Jesus more. Because my husband, as good as he is, he loved me. And he loves me. He's probably one of the greatest examples I've ever found of how a husband's supposed to love his wife and how Christ loved the church. <laughs> and I say that wholeheartedly and I've shared that with him because he loved me through it all. You know? I don't want to get emotional. All right. Woo! So Romans <laughs> 3.22 says this. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need him. We need him. He's the only one who hasn't sinned. We need him. He's the only one who won't do us wrong. We need him. If you guys don't get anything else out of here, we need him. We need him. There's just no way. I've done life without him. It's impossible. It almost tore me apart. And I say that wholeheartedly. I've shared this with Pastor Rowan Lee, and I've shared this with our leaders. It almost tore me apart because I thought it could be only be mine. We need him. Amen? Whew. Last point, and then I'll be out of you guys here. I'm not too bad, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Take your time. Third point. Before we go there, I'm sorry. I just want to tell you guys something. In the middle of Jesus telling her all these things and explaining things to her, she says this to him. She says in verse 20, Surely you must be a prophet. And it's funny because I was thinking about it because for me, their interaction and their conversation is very weird. It goes from one thing to another to another. And I think what she did to him once she realized 
that he knew too much, she changes the conversation. And she says to him, surely you must be a prophet. And I said, wow, Lord, that's, that's interesting. Because we do the same. We change the conversation. When we're not ready to give it all up, when we're not ready to let him in, we change the conversation. I was a professional, I know. The Lord used to talk to me day in and day out, and I used to change the conversation. She changed the conversation. And it's crazy because Jesus, he didn't, he didn't say, well, why we can't go back talking to what, you wanted, what we were just talking about, about the fact that you have no husbands. No, he, he changed the conversation with her. He said, cool. And she asked him a question, and he answers her. And he walks it through with her. He walked through the next conversation with her about worship. And he does the same for us. When we are not ready to give it all up and we change the conversation on our Savior, he takes a step back and says, no problem. Let's talk about what you want to talk about. We can always go back to that thing that we were talking about, but okay, I'll talk to you about what you want to talk about. And he waits. And he is patient. And he is kind. And he is compassionate. And he is loving. A few, a few months ago, I actually had a, I was, I was on the train. And I told you, my me time was on the train, coming home and going to work. And sometimes the Lord be messing me up on the train. I boogered out. You guys ever, you ever, I work in Brooklyn. Woohoo, Brooklyn. I work in Brooklyn, and rush hour is crazy. You look like a can of sardines in there, right? And then here you go with mailing in a little corner, in a little sardine can, boogered out, crying hysterically. It's out of control because the Lord is, I don't know, just doing what he does. And he took me back to 1 Corinthians 13. And no, Ruben, we don't have it. He took me back to 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, love is patient, love is kind. It is not boastful, it does not envy. And then it came to the realization that he is speaking about his own attributes. Because the Bible says God is love. And he's speaking by himself. And he is long-suffering. And long-suffering means that he will stick it out with you when you're ready. And he still loves you. And it's insane to me because we, we, we do. We, we change the conversation. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that, you know, this is my own stuff, you know. I walked through this not too long ago, so it's kind of fresh for me, you know. I'm not perfect. I never claimed to be. You know, but I do know this. I, knew, I do know that there's a God who loves me. I do know that in my mess, he is there. And I share with my group all the time, and, and, we, and we tell them all the time, because you know, we had a conversation not too long ago about sharing your business, so-called. And what I really shared with them was it doesn't matter to me. I will be transparent as you need me to be transparent, because it is there that God gets the glory. We're going to go to point number three. Grace will set you free. 
And I love this because I'm going to read you the message translation of verse 21 to 23 because I found it and it absolutely blew my mind. It says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at the mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You will worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you were called will not matter. And where you go to worship will not matter. What you were called will not matter. Jesus is clearly communicating to this woman, it does not matter what you left at the village. It does not matter what they've called you, what they've said to you, what they whisper. It does not matter. He's saying, in fact, the time is right now that it does not matter. He loves us so much that he will break down the walls to get to you and does not care who is in his way. He will get there and he will see you. It does not matter. He's telling you today is the day that he is telling you it will not matter. It will not matter. I'm going to, I, I, I feel it in my soul. I feel it in my spirit where he is. It just doesn't matter. Anybody's plans against you, anybody who told you anything, it doesn't matter. In this time and place right now, he is telling you that the time has come that it will not matter. Because he is here. He is here. You guys, I, I get excited and I know it and I, I try to keep it contained. I said, that's why I said I'm going to get turned up today. Because I'm excited. Because it does not matter. He will set you free in such a way that you will never, ever again walk without him. Ever. He has set me free in such a way. In such a way that it has changed my thinking. It has changed my walk. You guys see me jumping up here in worship? Never. It has changed me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to share this with you guys, and then I'll be out of your hair, and I ask the worship team to make their way here. <laughs> For a very long time, I was a, I was a child. Uh, and I'm going to share this with you guys, and please understand that anything I share here, I let the person know. But I'm sharing this for not my glory, but for God's. It does not matter what plans were held against you, what plans should have come through for you, at you. It doesn't matter. I was a, I was a child. I was, I was raised by my mother. I was a single, my mother was a single parent for a very long time. My dad and my mom's relationship was non-existent. And I mean non-existent. I didn't meet my dad until I was 12 years old, and the truth of the matter is, he denied me when I was in the womb, so. I love him. I do. I would do anything for my dad. I would. And I say that sincerely. But there came a point in time, I, I told you guys, I just turned 35, I said, my sister made me a scrapbook of my childhood. Beautiful pictures, right? Pictures of my crazy hair, my crazy, uh, you know, huge glasses that Medicaid used to cover, you know? My mother didn't know what to do with all this kinky, curly hair that I have, so she used to, I used to work around in Afro puffs. And my mom wrote me a letter. My mom, my sister, and my husband, they all wrote me a letter. They included it in the um, scrapbook. 
So for a very long time, I told, I've always thought that my mom did not find out she was pregnant with me until she was five months pregnant. My mom is a tiny thing, 130 pounds, 5'4". I did not come out this way. I came out 6'8". Six, 6 pounds, 8 ounces. That's how it came out. Three days of labor. She tells me every year. But for a very long time, I had this feeling like, man, if she would have known about me before, Lord, there got to be a reason. Five months? She was tiny. No belly, no nauseousness, nothing. No movement. So, I write, so I'm reading this letter that she writes me, and she tells me how proud she is of me always. And she loves me, and I changed her life. And I love my mother very much. She does anything and everything for me, my kids. And in the letter, she writes this. When I was enlisting in the army, she was going to the army. She was there for her physical. The doctor comes back in and tells her, you cannot go into the army, you are pregnant. My mom said, pregnant? When did that happen? And she writes on the paper, and as the thought came through my mind, my first initial thought was, I need to terminate this pregnancy. But she couldn't. She was five months in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love her. She loves me. But I know that at that point in time, five months in, it didn't matter what she thought she was going to do. It didn't matter what thoughts went through her mind. It didn't matter what she did, what she should have, could have done. It didn't matter. Because at that very moment, at five months in the womb, at five months in the womb, I can hear it. I can hear it where God says, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you were called would not matter. And that has reshaped me. Because in that story, as much as you guys were like, wow, and it is, it's wow. But all I see is God's goodness. All I see is God's grace. Literally, I am a face of grace for our Lord. And I praise him for that. I praise him for that. I really do. And that truth set, will set you free. That's the truth that will set you free. It's not a burden in my heart. It's not like, wow, mom, how can you do that to me? How can you even say that? How can you even put it down in writing? Because now i got a record. Nope. Because God's truth is greater. His ways are higher. His thoughts are wilder. His purpose in my life will complete, regardless of who thought they were standing against me. I'm going to ask you guys to lift. You guys can stand on your feet. And I want to implore you guys to know that grace will set you free. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. 
If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.